Hey, you guys, uh, we have a super special guest today. His name is Marius, and he was one of the presenters at the beginning of our school year during our in-service time, and I was just like captivated by him talking, um, and I was just like the his delivery and like everything. I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to get him on our podcast, so... Um, I, I went up and asked, he said, yes, I was super excited. So we are going to dive into this interview in a second, but first you need to know who he is, right? So <laughs> Marius is a business and education consultant. He's a personal coach, conflict mediator, and thought engineer. And he just shared with me that he just started his own podcast. So that's super exciting. Uh, the framework he's built for personal and organizational health and effectiveness are equipped are equipping individuals and teams nationally to identify the invisible narratives that dictate so much of their story. So we talk about trauma a lot in this uh, episode and conflict, conflict resolution. When these frameworks are in place, they can interact productively with the people and settings that surround them. From personal consulting and leadership coaching to performance metrics and sustainable momentum, Marius walks alongside individuals and organizations who are ready for breakthrough. So again, we talk about his conflict resolution, um, kind of map how he goes through conflict resolution with students um, outside the home, inside the home. And it's just super great to listen to. So whether you have your teacher brain on during this episode and you're thinking about how you can kind of start doing conflict conflict resolution a little bit differently in the classroom or if you are having a lot of conflict conflict at home right now I can't say that word today you guys conflict and um, at home with like your kids whichever hat you have on right now like just listen and like get specific uh, incidences in your head and like how maybe you could have handled that a little bit differently. And if you don't feel like you're in a place or a space to be able to handle these situations differently, it might be a great indication that we really need to like, let the stress out of our bodies. And so going back and listening to any of the episodes that we have on releasing stress, because it's so important that in in being able to handle conflict, we are not super stressed out ourselves because if that's happening on a nonstop basis, we can't handle that conflict well. So that's why taking care of ourselves is so, so important. All right, let's get into the episode, you guys, because it is so good. Hey, Teacher Mama, welcome to the Teacher Mama's podcast. Do you want to feel rested and have more focus in the classroom and at home? Do you find yourself up late at night searching for motivational quotes, ways to keep students' attention, or creative ways to relieve stress? Do you wake up with big, ambitious goals only to feel exhausted and inefficient when behaviors continue to show up in the classroom and you find yourself taking work home again? Hey, I'm Ashley. And I'm Roberta. We too felt exhausted and wished for less behaviors and more time to do the things we love outside of school. We wanted to live more energetic and balanced lives and keep work at work. But we kept telling ourselves we didn't have enough time or energy. Until we found some time and stress management strategies that worked for each of us. 
In this podcast, you're going to find health, routines, and mindset tips so that you will feel energetic and not exhausted. So go grab your favorite drink and a notebook and your favorite pen because we're about to dive in. Hey guys, Ashley and I have a huge ask of you. We are currently reaching out to as many teacher mamas as we possibly can in order to make sure that this podcast is serving you. Podcasting is so different from a lot of different mediums from blogging or using social media since we don't always necessarily get to have conversations or hear feedback about the topics or about specific episodes. And we we want to have that feedback. It's helpful. And so we would love to have a quick Voxer or Zoom chat, maybe just using Facebook Messenger um, with five, at least five teacher mamas who listen to the podcast and are willing to help us in planning out the future of the Teacher Mamas podcast, you know, plan out the topics that we have, the guests that we invite onto the show. And so the first three Teacher Mamas to sign up for uh, this chat, again, either Voxer, just Facebook Messenger, or a quick Zoom, it's super laid back. But the first three people to sign up for that uh, will get a freebie from Ashley and I. So sign up really quickly so you don't miss out on that freebie. And um, hint, the freebie is free coaching. So uh, you don't want to miss out on that. And we know your time is precious and we, we truly value that. So if hopping on a quick call is not within your time availability right now, then we really ask that instead you take just quick five minutes, honestly, maybe even less than that, to just fill out a quick survey that I've created um, on Google Forms. And it would really help us, again, with knowing what topics will serve you best, uh, what type of guests you want to vibe, you know, you vibe with most um, and what you what you want from the future of the Teacher Mamas podcast. So the links to sign up for either a live chat or the quick survey are going to be in the show notes. And so by doing one of those options, it is seriously the biggest thank you that you could possibly give us as podcast hosts. Uh, Podcasting can be kind of lonely, to be honest. And um, at the same time, you know, we can see how many people are vibing with episodes and we can see, you know, different things like that. But We don't necessarily hear feedback and that would be, I think that would be just incredible and it's a huge thank you. And so yeah, go check out the show notes and sign up for a quick chat or that survey. Seriously, the survey is super fast, so, but it's beyond helpful. Thank you, ladies. All right, you guys. So I'm so excited. We want to talk to you about conflict resolution because we are post pandemic here and it seems like all the teachers that we talk to are in so much conflict in the classroom, outside the classroom all the time. So we want to know what do you do when you have those kids with the behaviors that come at you in the classroom, like F you, or you're dumb, or you're racist. Um, Give us the steps that you use so that we can start handling these situations in the classroom better. 
Well, such a such a huge question, and thanks so much um, for having me on. And um, I'm really um, excited to kind of dig into this because it's been such a personal journey for me. Um, you know, I was really understanding how to deal with conflict in my mind, but when it came to in the moment, I would get so triggered. Um, so all that practical skill and understanding would just kind of go out the window. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and it'd be so frustrating because I'd find myself, yeah, I find myself apologizing or feeling like a complete idiot, you know, yeah. um, quite often. And what I had to learn, you know, one, I kind of had to fortify the inside of me. I think uh, we talked about this in, in training um, about all of us are like this filled water balloon. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we accumulate life's um, discouragements, um, pain, uh, trauma, big T, little T, whatever it might be. And many of us weren't taught how to heal from that. We may have been taught how to identify it, but not necessarily heal. You know, so as that water balloon gets filled with life stuff, you know, the out what, what happens to that outer um, that outer flesh of the uh, water balloon? What happens as it expands? Yep. You, That's uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Thinner. It just got yeah, it gets thinner, it gets really thin. So um the way I can handle it is very different. Mm -hmm. I have to be very sensitive in how I handle it or it's going to burst. And we have a lot of people on planet Earth, <laughs> especially in our classrooms, especially going through COVID, um, where a lot of those explosions become this um, chain reaction. Um, so I'm prompted uh, or triggered into that fight, flight, freeze, or submit. Kids are, our students are are into that. And it creates these atmospheres of instability. Um, but as I've learned um, to um, kind of build on the inside, how I learned restorative practices or self-care measures that have helped to um, get water out. And a lot of times that vulnerability, we are actually talking about that before the recording a bit and um, being able to share authentically what's going on in my heart, you know, how I feel about facts in safe environments has been really um, helpful for me. Um, there's tools that I've created um, that we can link in the description um, that have been very vital for me um, in terms of learning how to find that equilibrium. And so that kind of, I say that because that kind of leads to the first step, which is don't get stuck on what's dead. <laughs> you know, it's just data. You know, um, one of the things I really have to do is build that emotional resilience. And those are some of the tools, you know, whether it's counseling, whether it's, and I, I talk about counseling, not on the island in of itself, but I use counseling. So if there are are triggers that I'm getting that are getting me out of that place of equilibrium that are causing me not to be able to um, practice the conflict resolution steps that I know to do and I don't know why that's an indication that I need to do some deeper work mm -hmm. and when I do that deeper work then it releases that resilience so that when I hear that f you or you're racist or you're an idiot I hate the way your head looks <laughs> you know whatever it might be <laughs> you know because they'll find all kind of creative ways to try to get in um, because they're trying to feel a sense of power. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but when that happens, I'm like, oh, okay, so you're feeling angry. Uh, I remember the first time I did that, I was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? You know, because I didn't react. You know, I was yeah. able to stay in a place of equilibrium and continue in a productive way. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that not getting stuck on what's said does, it doesn't sabotage my authority. Mm -hmm. And so when I stay in a place of calm, um, I'm respected. But if students see that I react like they react, then they see me as themselves. 
Mm-hmm. And they're not going to honor the authority that I bring into the classroom, whether positionally or relationally. And I have to remember that it's simply a clue. What they're saying is simply a clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So step one um, is that identify the feeling piece, right? Like yeah. said, not oh, quite yet. Not Thank quite you. yet. Almost. That's step oh. two, actually. Step okay. one is just don't get stuck on what's said. Okay. Don't yeah. get stuck on what's said. Yeah. And then, and, and I think like, <laughs> it's, it's so hard, especially when you're dealing with like that kind of stuff all day long. So I guess maybe even before we move on to the steps, like what are some things, and this was a question I was going to ask later, but I think this is a good place to talk about it. Um, and I know you said like, maybe you need, we need to, we need to talk to people, get vulnerable, um, and find that person that you can do that with, right? Like, don't just get vulnerable with anybody, um, find maybe you need to get some counseling. If you're constantly feeling like you can't even not get stuck on what's said. Um, and I think an important thing that I would want to throw in there too, is, um, a lot of people are so, I don't need counseling, um, I would say make sure that you find the right counselor because uh, just because you're going to counseling doesn't mean you have the right person to talk to. If you're like I did, I did this last year and I just was not feeling like the person that I was going to see was listening to me. Like I felt like I was listening to his problems more than I was sharing my problems and he was helping me with mine. I'm like, this is this is not working out the way I wanted it to. That's so real. I, that's so real. I just had a conversation with someone who was going through that same thing. And it makes me think of values and goals. Um, you know, I happen to have an amazing counselor um, and she really provides um, some uncomfortable opportunities for me through the course, but it helps me to heal from things that have happened in the past that are dictating some of my responses right now. And if, making sure you find someone who has the same values as you do. Um, I, I happen to be a Christian. So, um, having someone that has those values and is, um, um, understands that space and, and understands, um, healing in that space and, um, has that foundation in terms of, um, how we deal with the human heart, how do we, um, heal, um, is super important to me. Um, that's just one thing, but what are goals? You know, are there strengths aligned with where I'm trying to go? Do I have an understanding of what I need? And if I don't, being willing to make changes as needed. So as you said, you can find the right fit because I've never been my age before. I've never been in this stage of life before. And so the whole stigma about counseling, I can understand, but we can just look at our country. We can look at our world and see the dysfunction. I say oftentimes we're all dysfunctional. And that's okay because we're all imperfect and we're not supposed to know everything. There's not a person on the planet that is free from scars, that's free from wounds, that's free from trauma. And so to feel, for me to feel like I can go through this life without help and be as effective. And I'm not saying I can't be effective by myself, but can't I be more effective if I have people around me that are counselors and coaches and confidants that are for me, not just um, not just people that are there, but people who are actually for me and can provide the skills in the perspective that I need um, because they've navigated that path to help me as well. Mm-hmm. I think you need to share your counselor's name with me. She sounds like somebody I, I would like. 
She's amazing. She is amazing. I'll have to send you that information. Yeah. Lindsay. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I haven't, I haven't gone and, and found anyone new yet and that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah. So what are some other things like, so finding somebody, a confidant that you can talk to, what are some other like self-care practices that, um, because I know we have our, our listeners are that we get the excuse a lot. Like I'm so busy. I don't have time to take care of myself. Like how, like what, what are some things that are, what would be your top, like, let's say top two, and you've already given us one, what would be your next top two things? Like what else do we need to do as busy teacher moms in the classroom to be able to be, be the best teacher that we can be, be the best mom that we can be when we go home at night and not use that exhaustion and I have no time excuse. Right. Um, you know, I would never dare to speak um, <laughs> in line of being a mom because that is a beast that I've never traveled. So I will not speak to that. Um, but what I can speak to is um, the vital need to uh, understand the things that are on the inside of us, I call them scripts, the scripts that are playing on the inside of us from unhealed trauma that are affecting every single relationship we have in our lives. It affects how we see our students. It affects how we see our spouses, our significant others, our children. Any relationship is touched by that trauma. So the need um, to activate some of these measures is huge. I would say, um, there's a tool that I call the um, human behavior matrix that helps to um, systematically re, um, reverse engineer our trigger points to find out what is the underlying script. Um, so I'll say often that the script, uh, that the fruit doesn't look like the root. And so the fruit, the thing that I see that I don't like, the prompt that causes me to go into that fight, flight, freeze, or submit and disrupts my productivity. Um, if you were to align that out with the roots, with what's actually causing that, it could be completely different. And you would never think that they would be connected. And I think what that cognitive behavioral process does, it helps to bring understanding. So I can see how it connects, how it's fueling not only that particular response, but multiple other responses as well. If you go to my website under mental health, there's a deep dive training on that called the chaos shield. And it's meant to do exactly um, what it, the title says is to help shield us from chaos so that we can stay in a place of peace and equilibrium and make really good decisions. If you have list, people that are faith listeners, um, really um, having um, um, really guarded time of intimacy with your father is going to be critical as well as with, and this is for everyone, um, those having a, a community of three or four people or just a small group of people that are confidants. I meet with a group of guys every week um, and we talk about real stuff. You know, how am I feeling? How am I doing on one to five? You know, how are you doing today? What's happening? You know, how is your heart? You know, what's going on in your mind? You know, what's going on in life right now so that we can lift each other's arms up and support each other. So I would even call those two things or two or three things very bedrock. I, I work through that um, uh, cognitive behavioral process every almost every single morning because there's always something to work on and I can literally feel the shielding in my heart strengthening mm -hmm. and also the knot of trauma loosening mm -hmm. because there's so much interconnectedness and entanglement 
there's no way in heck <laughs> I could do that on my own. I need a framework. I need a guide. And I think having the counseling simply supports all of that other individual work. So I think those foundational pieces um, help keep the water balloon empty so you can stay adaptive, um, so you can activate um, the tools. Because our teachers and our mothers, y'all are brilliant. Like, man, y'all be holding it down, like holding it down. So I'm like, bless y'all, because if it was just men, all of us would not be here. <laughs> no children would probably survive past age two. <laughs> like, how does this work? We're supposed to feed this thing? How many times a day? Yeah. What, what is happening right now? How do you work this thing? Diaper <laughs> again? Right? <laughs> this happens only once. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so God bless all of you. I hope that helps answer the question. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll just like, you know, if you don't have those people in your life right now, um, finding like an online group that you can just yes. go in and, um, vent to. And I just kind of want to like, I used to be the person who would always try and fix a problem when somebody mm vent it to me or I'd be like oh well it could be it could be worse it could be blah 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 you know so like um and like my husband tries to do this to me and so I always have to preface with him like I'm not looking for you to fix this right now I'm just simply venting and getting my frustrations out and I just need you to listen that <laughs> so, is so awesome I'm that person too I'm like just give me a little prompt you know yeah. getting better at just affirming yeah. the feeling I go through these steps myself <laughs> yeah. yeah so sometimes like I know I'm 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 one who likes to kind of hold it all in and I've been really working especially this year like trying to get it out and like not having to be that positive person all the time or not like mm. having to spin it into a positive light so if you're if you're like that kind of person like me where you're like I can't say this out loud because it sounds negative like try and push that out of your head and just like just be able to be okay with having like negative thoughts and feelings and getting them out and then it just feels so much better oh my gosh that's so key and I learned that too um not too long ago actually um I used to be I'm that same type of person like everything's awesome you know it's great and I'm like crying you know on the inside and I've learned um and the other side of that is telling every everybody everything you know, so I think there's two sides of that ditch. And what I had to learn is to be honest, but brief, um, depending on who I'm speaking to. So if you were to come to me and we didn't really have a, a huge relationship or anything like that, but, you know, we knew each other, you know, and we're passing. Hey, Mars, how are you doing? I'm like, actually, today sucks. Yeah. Actually, today sucks. Oh, my God. Is everything OK? Oh, it's OK. You know, I got, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm walking through it. Um, I don't necessarily have to go into it with the person. Right. Um, but I can be honest about where I am. And that's mm-hmm. and that's actually taking water out of the balloon. Because now I can take my face off, mm-hmm. you know. I don't have to. I don't have to have this mask on where I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to have this veneer of nothing ever goes wrong with me, and I come across as this robot or there's nothing going on in this world when I'm going home and I'm crying because I don't know how to handle the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's just that's a pressure that none of us are supposed to carry by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I can also identify with that like oversharing piece too. I think that's where we get into like kind of the gossiping and stuff um and and like okay just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it needs to come out kind of like you said like today kind of sucks but you don't need to go into everything with everybody like you're just replaying it over and over and over again if we're doing that so 
I think that's also key as well. Like having, like you said, those, those few like people that you can do that with and, and not oversharing either, but yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So our step one is not letting it, not letting those, um, negative, the, the, the behaviors that are happening, the negative things that get shouted at us or whatever, um, to kind of let us have that thin skin and react to it. And so we've gone into how we can kind of set ourselves in a place of equilibrium so we don't have to react in a way that causes us to blow up. And then go ahead and get into step two now. Okay. So once you are emotionally healthy, you're emotionally resilient, you're able to not get stuck on what's said. And once you're able to kind of look at that and stay and, and hear what is actually being said, you have to be reflective and try to acknowledge the core need. So if you were to look up Maslow's, you know, hierarchy of needs, you know, you have self-actualization, esteem, love and belonging, safety needs, physiological needs, and um, each of those goes a little deeper. And you can look at that on your own, obviously. Um, but every, um, it, unless there's some kind of traumatic brain injury, I often will say that every behavior, no matter how destructive or productive, is simply an attempt to meet a basic need. Um, so I'm actually um, happy when students are saying something like that, because that means there's a level of engagement. You know, that they care about something, that there's there's a need that they're trying to meet. It might be self-actualization, maybe a feeling of love and belonging, whatever it may be. But the more I can get them to talk about it, the better, or at least acknowledge. Because sometimes when you're in the classroom, you don't have time to go into a deep dive conversation. But sometimes, depending on the, if it's a kind of a, a community issue, it's worth it to spend five to 10 minutes and modeling how to walk through that as a team as a family however it is that you would like to to bring context to that but what that does when i acknowledge the core needs say hey so you're feeling angry right now mm -hmm. when i take the moment to do that i took what two seconds if mm -hmm. even that what that does it gives oxygen to the student mm -hmm. because if someone is blowing up if all of us have been in places of disequilibrium at some point in time where we're just freaking out right because we don't know what to do because we're drowning you know, there's a core need that's not being met. Sometimes it's control. Sometimes it's, you know, that self-actualization, whatever it might be. And we're grasping for it, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I acknowledge that need, even if I'm off, the student feels organically that I'm trying, I see them, mm -hmm. that I see you. So it gives them oxygen. And when you give someone oxygen that's suffocating, they're able to breathe and it brings a sense of calm because we're all trying to meet those needs and it builds a bridge to the student to have a more, um, reflective conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think it's important because I see so much of this happening, like at our own school and it's an instant, like go to the office instead of just, and it doesn't, I, I don't feel comfortable having that conversation in front of other kids, mainly because I think of myself, like if I were to do that, I wouldn't want, if I were to be the one to blow up like that, I wouldn't want to be having that conversation in front of other people. And so I try, I have, I'm, I'm happy. I have two different rooms in, in my vicinity. Um, so I usually say like, Hey, I, I, like, I see you're struggling right now. Can you please go in the other room so we can talk about it? And then I'll try and like, you know, hey, guys, like here, do something else, <laughs> figure it out and then go have that conversation with the kid. And usually what ends up happening is 
Um, and it hasn't really happened yet this year. Um, but like, we'll, we'll have a good conversation, um, acknowledge the feelings like you said, and then, um, it, it ends up being, there's so much happening that they don't really necessarily feel comfortable talking to me about, which is totally fine. But then I'm like, do you need to go talk to somebody? And that's when they will acknowledge like, yeah, can I go to the counselor or whatever? Absolutely. <laughs> like a hundred percent instead of just like, you just yelled at me. I'm not okay with it. Leave my room. Like that totally just like, shuts that wall down with that student. And they don't want to, they don't want to be in your class anymore. They don't want to be around you anymore. And so it just really like puts that wall up in between the two of you. And it just makes things super uncomfortable and awkward, like the rest of the quarter. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and you lose that, you lose that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so great um, what you're talking about um, because the student feels seen. Um, there's an opportunity to, to build that bridge, you know, actually it leads me kind of into step three, you know, um, waiting until the chaos breaks before redirecting discipline or any problem solving. Um, because if a student is suffocating, they're not in a place to have a rational conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to give them oxygen first and having a relationship with the student, building a relational culture in the classroom, starting with values, the, um, the colors of influence uh, infographic that I think I sent on to your team um, really helps provide some tools um, for that. We can provide that in the description as well um, in the link um, for this particular podcast, if that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, but um, that will really help create that culture in the beginning of the school year where you've already established kind of what that protocol is. Hey, there are going to be times during this um, year where we may feel um uh, disrupt is not the right term to use, but um, we may feel like things are not going our way and we don't know how to communicate it. Um, these are some things or steps that we can do. I have a room over here. If you need to say, hey, um, can we can we take a time out in this room um, for a moment, whatever it might be, where you're building a culture of expectation um, and you're already providing um, a process for how to deal with emotions when they arise, because oftentimes it's not about the in the moment conflict. A lot of times it's just the last drop of that balloon that causes it to break. Mm -hmm. And so you ask the student, could you, Hey, would you mind picking up that piece of paper? Quit telling me what to do. Ah, F you, da, 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 da. And you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Hey, what's, what's going on? And I get hyper fixed on the quote unquote disrespect. Mm -hmm. um, when, if I respond restorative, oh, okay, hey, you're you're angry, okay, you know, uh, tell me more about that, you know, what 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 happened, or hey, do you need some time um, in the room? Hey, I know, it's, and even calling it out, hey, I know it's probably not about that piece of paper. Um, if there's something um, that I did or something that's on your mind, hey, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, can you give me five minutes? See what I'm saying? As soon as I give them oxygen, then they're able to. I can have a more reflective conversation with them based on the age of the student. Obviously, I want to use age-appropriate language and have that process thought out before conflict happens. So I'm not stuck in the space of not knowing what to do because when I don't know what to do, um, now I'm, I'm, I'm inviting stress into the conflict and I may not respond as adaptively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so awesome. Um, is is there a step four or is that is that yeah. step yeah. There's okay. two more steps. I can speed through them real quick because I want to keep with your time. And so step four is actually using an appropriate 
restorative practice to foster the empathy, to repair the harm and determine next steps. And so that's part of the, the planning prior is I love using the restorative process. Um, IIRP.edu, the International Institute for Restorative Practices, they have these really cool cards, little note cards mm-hmm. um, of the restorative conversations. So when a harm has been done, um, the, they, it's a really good way to blueprint your conversations and to train students and actually the staff how to have these conversations once you're in a space of reflection, once you're in a place where you can have a more uh, restorative conversation. Um, So structure is really important because that creates consistency for the students and also for the staff. And it helps reduce anxiety because I already know what the process is because I already know the process. So I don't even think about conflict as being troublesome right now because I already know when it comes, I'm saying, oh, you feel angry. Oh, you feel ignored. Oh, it's no longer a threat to me. You know what I mean? So I can simply lean into it and then give them oxygen and then guide them through a conversation. So that's the same, no matter what I'm catching, it's the same thing. Right. Does that happen? So like, you know, usually, like I said, it's usually like they end up saying they want to go somewhere and talk to somebody. So then does that restorative piece happen afterwards, after they've calmed down? Yeah, and remember we talked about, and this kind of moves into um, number five, which is celebrating their inherent human worth and affirming their growth. You know, um, you want to affirm at every moment. So affirm the fact that they're asking to go to a place where they can constructively deal with their anger, like affirm that, because a lot of adults don't do that. Um, So we want to make sure we affirm that, hey, I see you. Um, And it's also what will serve the student. Mm -hmm. What serves the student in that moment? Does it serve the student for me to have a reflective conversation with them right now before I send them to wherever they need to go? Or is it more serving them if I wait or send a follow-up call or email, whatever it might be? And so whenever I'm not sure, I kind of default to, okay, what best serves the student? Um, Because the student is part of family. The student is part of this team. You know what I mean? So when I look at it through those lenses, it's a more organic response in terms of knowing what to do. Because I'm serving the student that moment, hey, the student needs some time before I start going into a, a, a bunch of questions. They don't have the space for that right now. They need to go and deregulate. They need to have a conversation. And then we can set a time where we can repair. Mm-hmm. So the student just needs to know that you're there for them. Mm-hmm. They know the behavior uh, uh, is, is disruptive to the values that are set in the classroom. And oftentimes we don't have values in our classrooms. And it's really strong to do that as a community. Hey, guys, to have the best experience here, what do you need? I know I need trust. So I need to earn trust from you and you need to earn trust from me, right? Mm-hmm. So how can we do that? So we're, we're going to, there's, there's so many different ways and vehicles that um, people can research to find out how to create those joint values or community values. Um, the circle process is really, really good. Um, uh, restorative practice is just a, just a foundational way to set the course for continued engagement and learning for the students. Because what does, it allows us to um, reduce um, the water in the balloon to provide students oxygen throughout the course of learning. And um, it doesn't take a lot once you've created a structure and um, um, an expectation that the human aspect of who they are will be taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been so good. And um, I think if we could take away anything it's that we all have a lot of water oh yeah and we all have some thin skin sometimes that we need to 
kind of let some of that water out and, um, you know, bring our, our skin back to normal and um, equalize ourselves, equalize our students. And I think what you're talking about, like this can also, I know a lot of pe- teacher moms that I talk to, the big struggle is um, like, yeah, this is happening in the classroom and, and most of the time we're handling it well. And then we're, because we're handling so much of it at school, we get to the end of the day and we're just like so depleted. And then we have to go home and we have to do the same thing with our kids. And so I think like keeping this in mind, everything that you've talked about here today, like we can bring this home with us as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, this is something that I've really been working on the last, um, cause I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at this in the classroom where I struggle is I've been doing it all day and now I need to go home and take care of my kids and do it too. So I think just like, I'm, I'm super excited to get these links and resources from you so we can put them down below and I need to revisit them as well so that I am up to date and refreshed for when I get home at night. (laughs) There's, um, there's two, another resource that I'm reading right now, um, loving your kids on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a fantastic book for how to approach, um, child rearing. And it actually goes very complimentary to what I often say in our training is, when we create goals out of things we can't control, then we're doomed to stress. And one of the things that has helped me as an authority figure, whether it's in the classroom, whether as a parent or step parent, whatever it might be, is the control of a person's behavior has to die. Like I can't control a two-year-old. I can't control what they do. If I'm trying to control everything that they do, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. If I'm trying to control, that's when I, that's when I lose sleep. That's when I lose is when I'm trying to control my atmosphere and people's responses. Mm-hmm. I think that has been the one thing that has created such a great amount of peace in my life mm-hmm. is that I'm not trying to control folks. I'm mm-hmm. controlling me. Mm-hmm. And as a parent or as an authority, what I can also control are consequences. Mm-hmm. Now, consequences aren't always like this punitive thing, mm-hmm. um, but oftentimes it's okay. You can certainly choose to keep hitting your brother. But you're also choosing this, mm-hmm. that we're not going to be going to Valley Fair <laughs> on Friday. Or you can choose to say you're sorry and restore that. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to go to Valley Fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm good now. <laughs> I'm good because they're going to choose one or the other. And as long as I'm consistent, like they say, they hit them again because they're looking at me, looking at their... I don't know if I trust if he's going to do it. And they hit him again. Oh, hey. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, mm-hmm. I guess we're not going to Valley Fair. Ah, oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. But, you know, there's consequences to our actions. If I keep mm-hmm. doing that, then that just works for me. My my right. dad was a master of that. And I just quit doing stuff. So I'm right. like, I know he's going to, I know what he's going to do. Like, right. why even do it? Follow through with it. <laughs> follow through. That's it. That's it. Oh, yes. And then if you have a stubborn child like mine, it might take a little while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but just remember, the goal is not control the behavior. The goal is teaching them how to how to handle freedom. Yeah. And make good choices. Mm-hmm. That's it. There are yeah. consequences. You can make any choice you want, but there are consequences. <laughs> yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to get all these links and resources from you. We will get them all in the show notes for everybody. 
And thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with me. Um, Roberta, oh, awesome. if you guys are wondering where Roberta is, um, her family is all sick right now and she's not feeling too hot either. So that's why I'm doing this one solo without my person. So <laughs> you're doing it awesome. You did awesome job. And hopefully um, something that I shared was a value for your audience. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will. You too. Hey, Teacher Mama, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, would you take 30 seconds and leave a review on Apple Podcasts? It lights us up to know this podcast is helping you. Also, please share this with a friend who might need it today. Okay, time to go spend all that extra time we have with our families. No more stressing out over schoolwork that didn't get done before contract time. We'll meet you back here in a couple of days for another episode. Bye! Bye.